0: Hey, welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back comic review podcast, episode number 50.
1: Comic review podcast. I'm David. I'm Eric, and we are the Fanboy Strike Back, and this is our new show. So, if you're a new listener, this is all new to you. If you have listened before, uh, things are kind of a changing. Um, We used to do a Pick of the Week podcast. We used to do uh, written reviews, and that was great. But you know, we're 50 episodes in. So we, start, we thought about, you know, we'd change it up a little bit. So what we're going to do now every week is that I'm going to put pick a book for Eric that he normally wouldn't read. He's going to pick that a book for me that I also normally wouldn't read, and then we're going to discuss those. So that's going to basically take over for the pick of the week. Um, we're still going to talk about other comics. Uh, we're still going to talk about our TV shows, movies, games. There's probably going to be a lot more of that kind of stuff, but... Uh, just the thing about changing it up, we feel good about this, so there are still going to be spoilers. You know, we are going to talk about everything in the books, so if you don't want to be spoiled, you might want to come back later. Um, <laughs> but first, uh, Eric, this week I picked uh, Secret Invasion Humans number three for you, and I, I'm, I'm interested to think of, uh, or see what you thought. I kind of picked it for you because you seem to have liked the Black Bolt character. I don't think you've had a lot of history with the Inhumans, and while I know that you aren't loving all the Secret Invasion tie-ins, I I do think that this one was pretty decent, so tell us what you thought.
0: Okay, um, well I posted a little bit of this in the forums already, and this is uh, Secret Invasion Inhumans number 304, and I read the first issue, and it was okay, and then I skipped the second one, which... I'll credit Marvel a lot for having those recap pages in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I, was brought, I I could pick this up and, and get right back into it. Uh, the only thing that seems to have happened since then is uh, Black Bolt's son has been kidnapped too now. Right. And, and the, the war has happened between the Skrulls and the Inhumans. And, and the Queen has picked a, a small group to go and find Black Bolt while her people fight off the Skrull for it, which they defeated. So now this book has primarily shifted to the, the search for Black Bolt. Which I do. You're right. I do like the character um, from the Illuminati series, and and I don't have a huge knowledge of that of, of his background. But I'm kind of picking that up from this. Uh, the Inhumans were created by the Kree as a as kind of a weapon race. Yeah, they're going to be spies and soldiers, which was a cool idea. Um, but basically, what this this book does the first part of it is the group going in search of the Kree to kind of cut a bargain with them. To gain their numbers, to go fight the Skrull, and also go retrieve Black Bolt, and so a lot of it was setting up that deal, and that was okay. I, I, the the scenes that I was most fond of, I guess, were the ones that showed Black Bolt in captivity and what the Skrulls were doing to him, and trying to harness his power as a weapon. And what they've done is they built like a big cosmic tuning fork to unleash his, you know, and they're and they're doing kind of mental evaluations on him too while he's in custody to. Kind of figure out how he works. What would what would trigger him and stuff like that. And there's a very um, siler esque scene in this where they've cut open the back of his scalp and the back of his skull, and they're like poking at his brain. Yeah. And, and I was just like, "Oh man, that, that's kind of graphic." I mean, you, I, I was kind of surprised by the brutality of that scene, where they're actually like picking a, picking at his brain. And I was like, "Yeah, it's it's kind of shocking because usually stuff that bad doesn't happen to the good guys."
1: Yeah, um, it's it's interesting to see where the story is going. Um, there's it's kind of like what you wrote on the forums. There's kind of some weird stuff going on with the end. It seems like it's building up to a conclusion, and then all of a sudden, all the Inhumans are splitting up into these different little teams to try to work on this plan, and that kind of seems like that slowed things down a little bit.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get the choice of doing that because this is a part like by the end of this book, things should definitely right. be in a momentum forward. And they kind of are, but then all of a sudden you get the the story where like there's the Amazon group, which seemed purely, I mean, obviously they're going to win the aid of these soldiers and they're probably going to help out, but just seemed like, it seemed like it was a good excuse for Rainey to draw people in bikinis. Yeah, that's true. Cause his, his art is a little cheesecakey. There, there's a lot of that in here. Um, I did like, um... But also Triton finding a whole race of, like, his...
1: Yeah, that was interesting. Because, like,
0: he's supposed to be the only one due to right. the miss, right?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, due to the miss, yeah. And it, it's cool because Triton is kind of always, like, the the obsolete character. You know, because he's, he's, he's water-based, and so he can't really do a lot of the things. So he's, he's like Angel from the X-Men. Like, Angel's always there, but he doesn't really do much. And I don't say that as a negative thing, because I really like Angel, but it's kind of hard. Like, you always have to give Angel, like they always give him like a sword or something, so that you know he can do something. And that's kind of like Triton's thing here. So to see there's a whole race of him, that's kind of cool. I also thought it was very um interesting with Karnak, because Karnak's power is to find the a weakness in an object, and he's going through all the created databases looking for a way to take down the scrolls and the way that he was looking at these he basically finds three points of weakness and the fact that he needs to take them all down at once and i thought that was really cool i think he has a very unique power
0: yeah i don't know i it was okay i just felt the story was kind of average um i didn't i didn't get any huge kicks out of it it was interesting i'm I'm curious to see like how it's going to resolve but I guess I wouldn't mind seeing a uh, Inhuman story without the the scrolls put into it. Like I'd I'd like to learn more about their culture first. I'm sure that story exists out there somewhere. And yeah,
1: Paul Jenkins did a I I heard it's a really good Inhuman story. I've never read it, but it's on my list of things that I want to try out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just as far as the story went, like there's just not a whole lot of characters in this that I I'm really becoming attached to. They all they all kind of seem a little whiny or annoying in their in their own way. And so I found that a little irritating.
1: Yeah. Okay. So bottom line, what would you give it then?
0: Uh, I'd probably give it. A, we'll give it a five out of ten.
1: Five out of ten.
0: Five out of ten. Really that bad? I I did not. You made me spend three dollars on this, more with tax. I I didn't really enjoy it all that much. Like wow. it was interesting, but I just didn't I didn't enjoy it. Wow. You are a hard man to please. Just, just saying. I'm. I and I'll, I'll admit a lot of that's just secret invasion burnout. Okay, fair enough. But like, I don't care about the scrolls anymore. I don't care about the Kree. Like, it, it seems to me like Black Bolt should have easily been able to get out of this by now.
1: Well, I mean, they obviously have him. I mean, he can't use his powers, so. I, I the the end was really cool. Like the actual end, where the scrolls are talking to him, and he's like. I know what you're thinking. I know that you think that your family's going to bust in here at any moment, and that's what you're waiting for. And then it kind of shows that they're all scattered, and they're kind of having their difficulty getting there. And it, it's, but actually, that's going to
0: happen. It's going like, to happen, but... They're telegraphing it.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, you know it's going to happen. But I like the idea of Black Bolt needing to be rescued, because he's not in that position very often. And the whole thing about the Inhumans is it's always like, they're a family, and they even talk about it. Like they talked about how the fact that they're not really family because they're not related, but their culture is so tight that they are really a family. It's kind of like so, they're like an offshoot of the Fantastic Four.
0: And I guess I didn't get that either. Like they're not all really cousins, are they? They're just like they they're refer. Just, to
1: yeah, they're just like they they just live together, and that's kind of their culture. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
0: Oh, I'll pick up the next one. I'll, I'll see how it ends. I'm, I'm invested this far, so... All right. So, for you, I picked uh, Detective Comics, number 849. Uh, I thought this was the conclusion of The Heart of Hush, but it's really the the second-to-last part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you, haven't, you, you liked the character Hush in the introductory story, and this issue had a lot of his backstory. So I'm really curious to see what you think about this.
1: Yeah, because I picked up um, the first issue of the storyline and i didn't love it just because i thought it was weird because it was you know tommy elliott all of a sudden going crazy for what i thought wasn't a very good reason um this issue i actually liked i actually liked this quite a bit um i think the idea of I, i didn't know what was going on and i i remember now that you told me that um Hush had taken Batman's or Catwoman's heart out, which is kind of ridiculous, but it works. But, um, I open up the story, and there's this pretty graphic scene of Batman torturing Jonathan Crane. Like, he takes him in Arkham, he shoves him into a toilet, and then he basically electrocutes him using the toilet. And I'm just yeah, like this
0: fire, and sticks it in the water, and right,
1: right. And I'm like, this seems like a little bit rough, even for Bruce. And then when you find out that all the stuff with Selena's going on, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, you know, that really makes sense. You know, this would really get to him. Yeah. Um, I thought that was great. to
0: so, uh, compare, like, show that his mental state is slipping as this is, takes place right before the Morrison story.
1: Yeah, see, I've tried to disconnect from that because I have no idea how this is related to R.I.P., but um I thought this was really cool. I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with Hush. I've always liked the Hush character, even though I don't really know, you know, everything about him. It's, I, I thought the whole whiny Bruce Wayne has everything, I don't have anything was a bit much before, but it, in this issue, it's... It's a little bit easier to take, like, the stuff where Hush is having flashbacks to his mom, and the fact that, like, his mom's sick, and his dad beat him, and then it always comes back to, like, Bruce Wayne. His mom's always like, you know, why can't you be like Bruce Wayne? And it's the fact that Tommy, Tommy's pretty far gone by this point, you know? He's, he's a little bit crazy already, and so to have Bruce thrown in his face all the time, it just gives him a focal point for that anger, you know what I
0: mean? yeah, yeah definitely.
1: So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I really liked how Bruce infiltrated this hospital and kind of got under his skin. The only thing I didn't like about this book is that they start fighting, and then all of a sudden they stop, and they have to talk, and it just seems so like set up, and this is where the villain does his monologue and tells him what's going to happen. And that was, that was necessary for the story and everything that's going on with Hush having the Catwoman's heart and everything but it just kind of slowed down because like it was building up and he gets into the hospital and he takes him down and, and it's like it's action and it's, it's like I'm having a great time and then all of a sudden we stop and we talk and I'm just like uh, this is kind of boring all of a sudden
0: I, I think you're right about that I, I think though it's easier to stomach with these two because they both know each other's identities yeah. and so uh, and of course Bruce on his initial reaction is going to be to beat the snot out of him but then he realizes like you know, an unconscious Thomas Elliott isn't going to be able to help him get Selena's heart. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, he has to hold back a little bit.
1: The big kind of twist is that Tommy Elliot has basically gone through a, a, a whole bunch of plastic surgery so that he looks like Bruce Wayne now? Does that yeah. Sound?
0: He's been, like, throughout the story, you've seen him doing surgery on his face, like, close-ups, and then he wraps it back up. Yeah. And so this is the first time you've seen him pull off the bandages, and basically he's giving himself surgery to look like Bruce, and he's also... He's going to basically take Bruce's place and tear Bruce down from the inside.
1: Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, I thought it was interesting, and obviously it's not going to stick. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't a huge fan of that of that ending. I really liked the, the overall issue. I just feel like... Uh, while we're getting more of Hush's backstory, I just feel like there's still something unresolved about the character. Like, at the, I love the Hush storyline, but still at the very end, you didn't really know what was going on. And it's, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like, you know what his motives are, but you don't really know what he's all about yet. And I think maybe we're just getting that little by little. But yeah. that's just kind of frustrating. I don't know. Um, overall, I, I liked it a lot. I loved the art. art was great, so I gave it a 7.5 out
0: of 10. Nice. Yeah, I, I can't get enough of Dustin Glenn's art. I and I'll, probably, this is, yeah, I'll, I'll pick up the next
1: one, because I want to see how it ends.
0: Yeah, and I agree. I, I think the Hush storyline got a bad rap, and yet the, the original premise of his motivation was a little on the light side, and so I'm glad this is fleshing him out a little bit more as a character. I'm I'm with you. I enjoyed that storyline. Like it it was a very by the book story as far as murder mysteries go. Uh, like it wasn't anything, you know, hugely different or new about it. But um it it was a great I thought it was a very entertaining story. And I thought it was it was great how accessible the original story was to non-Batman readers.
1: Yeah, actually um I gave it to um a guy at work to read because he wanted to read a Batman story and I gave him the Killing Joke which he liked. But then he wants to know more about what's going on, and I'm like, "Well, read Hush," because Hush like introduces a Batman villain, goes into the Bat story of that villain, and I mean, does that in pretty much every single issue.
0: Yeah, and it also goes into not only his villains but his supporting cast. Like, you'll walk away knowing like his relationship to Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Barbara Gordon, mm-hmm. Commissioner Gordon, like all of them, in their own way and their relationships, and and not just currently, but going back throughout the history of the character, you really get a sense of the conflict that they've all been through together. Right. And so that's what I enjoyed about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, even on um, uh, John Sanchez's last word balloon, they did the Loeb report, and Jeff Loeb still you know, says he's going to come back and do a sequel to Hush, although with the way Loeb has been writing lately, it might uh, be best if that doesn't happen.
0: You know, I, I'm looking forward to Captain America: White, and well, I think uh, yeah, I'm
1: definitely looking forward to Captain America:
0: White. I think he, for some reason, like he might just have a little bit better take on the more traditional characters. It's it's weird. Yeah, really
1: his, his Ultimates right. not good. Yeah, I mean, like maybe I, his Hush sequel would be good because he has a, a very good grasp. I mean, I I haven't really read a bat,
0: Batman story from Jeff Loeb, but he hasn't written them in a while yeah but i I agree like I, I love his treatment of Batman, so I would easily be a fan of that. Yeah. and so the the big book this week every, every once in a while there's a page that like will, will stick with me forever, and like I'm thinking of the early 2000s, specifically in the hush storyline when I turned the last page, and there was uh, an, an older Jason Todd holding Tim Drake by the throat. That was a page that floored me. Reading comics this week, I had another page that floored me, and that was the last page of Action Comics. Oh my god!
1: I, what, should we have seen this coming? Because I can tell you that I did not at all. You
0: know, I after reading it, I was like, "It always." I always wondered when the comics would catch up to every other medium that has done this before. Because it's it's been done both in like All Star Superman, and then. Um, in, you know, the movies, movies, Smallville. Smallville. Yeah. Uh, I think the only place it didn't happen was in the Superman animated series. But what we're talking about is the death of Jonathan Kent. Mm-hmm. And so this was the, the wrap-up to the Brainiac storyline. God, this was good.
1: It was really, really
0: good. So good. Yeah. Oh, just the desperation in Superman and, you know, when Brainiac's calling him a brute and, you know, he actually refers to him as Earthman because he kind of gives up calling him Kryptonian. I was like, oh, that's, it's so, like, just psychologically well done and then, you know, calls him a brute and he, Superman's like, when well, I have to be and then grabs him by the little, the, the head balls yeah. and smashes his face. I was like, damn, that's good. But um, there was actually a scene and it's it's almost a throwaway scene but I loved it and it's the moment when, Superman has to save the, the bottled cities and, and go after Brainiac, and he's telling Kara to go after the yep, thing that, that Brainiac thing. has launched in the sun. And he's giving—he's kind of giving her a speech, and she's like, "I can't. I am, I'm not fast enough. I, I can't do it. I'm scared." And you know, he just gives her that like that super bo- or that Superman look, and he's like, "You know, it's okay to be scared." Right. And in that moment, you see her going from like that scared face, to that really determined face, and she just launches out of there. And I thought, okay, now. Here's where you get like the stark contrast between like Superman and Batman. And where Batman you know, as soon as he tells like Dick Grayson to go do something, it's it, he barks an order and it's just expected to be followed. And here you have just a very nice moment where Superman just like takes a minute and, and he just smiles. He's like it's okay. And with that one action, you know, with that one just that that Superman charm like she's determined, and she's gonna go live up to you know wearing the shield and and everything that it means to to wear that symbol. True. Right. And I was just like that one scene where she takes off out of there, and I just you know that was a fist pump moment for me.
1: I was yeah, because like, that's what Superman's supposed to do. Like he's he's like the Captain America. Like he's supposed to inspire the rest of the heroes, and like this is exactly what he does. Like you yeah. do not want to let Superman down.
0: Yeah. And, oh, I mean, everything from the fight and the way Brainiac reacts to actually landing on Earth and, like, the microbes when he starts covering them, and he kind of panics a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is all interesting, because, you know, you think Brainiac and Superman have fought a million times, but actually this is, in reality, the first time he's met the real Brainiac, mm-hmm. supposedly. You know, until it's wrecked out ten years from now.
1: Right. But Well, um, no, I don't know. I mean, the Jeff Johns is doing a good job of redoing this, so hopefully this kind of sticks.
0: The DC universe is quickly becoming the John's universe. It really, really is. He's, he's just, for, like, he's working with the past continuity, but, man, he's just, like, reshaping everything in, in subtle ways. But, but yeah, and then Brainiac launches something at the Kent Farm. See,
1: this, and- was, this was what got it, was that it's one of those things where you don't know what's going on because we're all focused on this little missile that's going into the sun. And then you realize, oh, crap, there's another one that's heading into the campfire, which is another, you know, good way of showing how evil Brainiac really is.
0: Yeah. Um, and there was also, there was a callback to the Green Arrow Black Canary issue when Connor was shot, and Ollie was, you know, at first he's saying, Clark, Clark, and then he starts screaming Clark, and that's when yes. he, Clark's in. That was the in. worst
1: hear, part, uh, because he's rebuilding Candor and... Martha's, like, at this point, Jonathan's had a heart attack, and Martha's just yelling Clark, and normally Clark would be there. And I'm not sure if exactly the fact that he's so involved with the uh, idea of Kandor coming back or, like... I think I, there's just too know, much going on. You
0: the and there's, like, it's a...
1: everywhere. And it's like, you want him to hear it, and it's like... And this goes to Gary Frank right here, because the desperation on the faces right now, these characters, it's like... You know exactly what's going on, and this is just, this is hitting you hard. Yeah. And then finally and, he hears it, and he gets there, and it's just too late. And it's just like, oh, my gosh.
0: The, the last page is a pullback. The one that I was talking about is a pullback, and you're looking at the far, at the farmhouse from, like, uh, across the fence. And it's just Superman and, and Ma Kent, like, crouched over the body. And, like, God, if there's a more emotional <laughs> image, that, that this, this was a gut punch.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really get emotional in comics much, and the last time I actually got that emotional was, um, it it actually wasn't the death of Cap, it was actually the very last issue of Civil War, which pretty much everyone hated, but when Cap gives up, like, that killed me. I was just, like, depressed afterwards, I was like, this is so messed up, and I was actually with my wife, we were just sitting, she was watching TV, I was reading this book, and then she just all of a sudden looks at me and she's like, what's, what's wrong? What's going on? And I, I honestly, I couldn't talk. And I was like, I just had to give it to her. I was like, read these last ten pages. And I was just like, this is just heartbreaking. And of course her response was, well, didn't that already happen? Because he's dead on Smallville. And I was just like, oh gosh. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, well done, Jeff Johns. Just wow! And then yeah, again, it, a lot of credit has to go to Gary Frank because he yeah, makes these characters so believable.
0: That yeah, just the just the way he frames the shots and the, the expressions on the faces, and uh, it's it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous book.
1: Yeah, that, I mean that's that was a ten out of ten for me. You can't really get much better than that.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine out of ten. I, I, I saved save that ten for for a big a big spot. <laughs>
1: That was how much bigger can you get from that?
0: Well, uh, okay, I, if Pocket had never died in any other medium, yeah, okay. and, and I'd never seen it before, then it would have been a ten. Right,
1: fair enough, fair enough. Okay, um, a book I want to talk about real quick is X Men: Original Sin, Number One. This is. The new kickoff story that's gonna take place between X Men Legacy and X Men or and Wolverine Origins, with Wolverine's son. So, have you heard about any of the stuff with Wolverine's son and
0: anything? I I've seen pictures and you know covers where they're like they fight or else, that kind of thing and right. I, the other way. But I did see this on the rack, so I'm curious to see what you thought.
1: You know, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad, especially for the content. Like, I'm not a big fan of Wolverine having a son, especially after we have X-23. I feel like that's more than enough, and they're just they're kind of pushing their luck. Um, this actually wasn't too bad, although it didn't really have much to do with Wolverine's son. A lot of this has to do with the fact that Logan is trying to find Xavier because Logan wants Xavier to help his son, just the, way, the same way that he helps Logan. Um, so this actually picks up after X Men Legacy with Wolverine finding Scott, and the fact that when he finds Scott, um, he smells that he's been around Xavier, and he basically punches Scott out because Scott, you know, isn't forthcoming with the fact that Xavier's still alive, which is really cool. Again, we're starting to get more of the pieces of the puzzle with you know, post Messiah Complex and the fact that. Scott knows Xavier's alive, but apparently Scott isn't telling people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was really cool. And it kind of ends off with Logan telling Xavier and meeting up with him and saying, I need you to basically erase everything that's in my son's mind and then just kind of rebuild it. And Xavier is like, you know, I've done a lot of that. It hasn't really worked out for me in the past. I'm trying not to do that anymore. And Logan gets to the point where he's not really... Asking, he's more threatening him.
0: Hmm. I, I like that he does that because the whole thing that I've read with uh, with Xavier after side Complex is yeah, Scott bitching him out, but you can't go in people's minds and rearrange it. And so he's like, exactly. a, he's almost like a recovering smoker, and here's Wolverine like holding that <laughs> cigarette in front of him, like, "Come on, Come on I need just you, you to, just one puff."
1: Yeah, and it was good, and I guess it kind of is going to kind of um, looks like he's going to do a red cot and the fact that. When it ends with the last page, where that when Wolverine originally joined the X Men, it's he was there to kill Xavier, and so I guess that's where this is going to happen. Apparently, Xavier was controlling his mind or did something with him where he was actually you know not really going with his gut, and I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. So I don't wait, think...
0: did Z- Zatanna get to him?
1: Did they do yeah, a exactly. Mic- I don't. I don't think that's really necessary to do that. I don't. There wasn't a lot of Wolverine Sut in this. He was. He's kind of there. He doesn't. Know, he has like amnesia right now, so he doesn't know what's going on. I just. I'm. I don't know what to think about it. Like in this issue, it wasn't a bad story, but the Sun wasn't even in the story. So what are they gonna do with this character and? I don't know. It seems like this character just does not have a place in the Marvel Universe at all. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, Mike Carey and Daniel Way are going to be doing it. I'm going to pick up um, the X-Men legacy issues, but I'm not going to pick up the issues of Wolverine Origins, so I guess we'll see how it goes. Overall, I I give it, you know, a 6.5 out of 10. It's... It wasn't poorly written and the art was good. It's just, I, I just don't like the idea of the story.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um... I want to talk about X Men Magneto Testament, uh, number two out of yeah two out of five. Uh, this is kind of a prestige book, Marvel Knights book, mm-hmm. uh, written by Greg Pak. It is great. Yeah. it is so good. And what this is, it's not a, it's not an X Men book. It's not a mutant book. This is almost a. It's actually it's completely a, a World War Two story of, of a Jewish family living in Nazi Germany at the rise of the Nazi Empire and it is just like 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 Superman but what makes this even worse is like this is this is history and and yes it's a fictional story in a historical sense but but oh my god this is just heart-wrenching yeah. and like you know I almost wish like they would and I don't know how the rest of the story is gonna play out but God if they like bound this and made kids read it in like school it, it just it breaks the heart but what this is is now the the nazis are rising to power and and uh, we've learned that Magneto's true name is Max and his family is uh, you know they they're losing their their status in in the in the uh, in the uh, group in the neighborhood that they live in and they're going to help from old fr- uh war veteran friends of his father and they're getting turned down and kind of the hardships they're facing and, and they this girl that Max likes has been deported to a uh, concentration camp, a detention camp. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty normal, like what you'd expect that kind of story would be in that time period. But there's this just over sensing or over arching, uh, feeling of, of, despair and doom in the storyline that you just know like it's even on the last page they they escape to poland and as soon as they do they're going into hiding the family's going into hiding in like a barn and they see the the german army invading poland and they say it's 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 worse and uh what uh, you know eventually what's going to happen is we're, we're getting shadows of what's driving what drove magneto to become magneto what why does he change his name to eric you know i mean there's there's a lot of different things that are being set up here but just seeing this this boy who we all know what he's going to become it's really odd to see you know him as just this it, it's like i guess the early anakin skywalker face because you're seeing this tyrant as a little boy mm. only i feel like this one's you know th- this is much more real than than i have ever felt and so the artwork is beautiful um it's just a heartbreaking story, but it's just so good too. Like it, it just elicits such a strong emotion in me when I read it. Um, this I would give a, a nine out of ten. Nice.
1: Yeah, I've been like I said I, on the forum. I've been kind of burnt out by X Men one shots that have been disappointing, but this one sounds good, so I might I might go back and pick them up.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's gonna be a, a collected in a trade, but like I said, it's not it's not an X Men story. It's not a mutant story. It's just a. It's just an origin story for Magneto, and and he hasn't even used. It, he doesn't even have powers yet. Right. So I mean, it's just him as a normal person. Um, quick side note: the embrace change uh, bits in all the Marvel books are creeping the hell out of me.
1: Oh man, I love those. Those things are oh, so they,
0: good. They are good, but it's just they're jarring. Every time I see it, it's like, whoa.
1: Yeah, they're pretty. The one with the little girls eating the ice cream. That that's a little creepy.
0: Yeah, that's the one that I keep seeing now. There's the baseball player one which I like I and I'm wondering if, you know, the, the whole invasion is gonna end with some scroll stain and intermixing into society. Yeah. Which looks like it's gonna happen, but every time I catch it it's like, oh, oh.
1: Yeah, they're pretty cool. If yeah. I'm pretty impressed by those. Much better than where were you when blah blah blah, Doctor Light I uh, hate those ones. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I miss the uh, the villain ones that they started doing, and, and now they're those on the are, were... Those are good. Okay,
1: um, so let's um, head over to Green Lantern number 35, um, another Jeff Johns book. Um, this was, again, really, really, really good. Really yeah, good.
0: this was the conclusion to The Secret Origin.
1: Uh, the, a lot of people have been complaining that it's been going on so long and I've never really got that but it was seven issues so yeah this was this was quite a bit
0: over half a year but at the same time the pace of the story has been so quick and uh, it's just it's it's enthralled me at every turn yep. so I've never I've never once complained that this is taking too long or I want to see it end mm-hmm. I feel so um, But, man, Sinestro, and and I told you this earlier, but, like, seeing him in Sinestro Core War, knowing what happens to him, that he is the one who infects Hal with Parallax, but then seeing him in this light, like, where he sticks up for Jordan and he kind of takes him under his wing, like, man, he's just, he's cool. He's just so cool.
1: Yeah, you, I mean, this is the first book, first story I said, you know, I want to see Sinestro be a good guy again.
0: Yeah. And, it, you know, it's almost hard to think of him, like, you know, if, if the Sinister Corps does have to come back and they have to team up with the Green Lanterns to take out a menace or something like that. I mean, that character really can't be redeemed because he's done some pretty awful stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's got to be interesting to see how this whole, the Blackest Night is going to work out. Because, I mean, it, it might have to be the, the enemy of, the, of my enemy is my friend. I mean, we're introduced to Atrocitus in this one, and he's kind of been in the story the whole time, but it's been clear, like, he's going to be a Red Lantern. And it's also very clear in this book now that his number one target is Sinestro. So, first of all, it's it's cool thinking of the idea that it's, it's not Hal versus Sinestro anymore, but Sinestro versus Atrocitus. You know, that's just an, a cool idea. But then it's just an, it's an interesting idea of how is that going to work? I mean... You're gonna have good these these good core members, and you're gonna have these bad core members. But what is this fight gonna look like? Which I'm just so excited about.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this book is dripping with character development. It's first Sinestro. Uh, it's just so good, I, and I love just the little like the friendship that sparked between him and him and Hal, just because that it adds such weight to everything else that I already know. Yeah. You know, everything else that I know is gonna happen. And Ivan Reese's Pencils, and I know we've said it before, but it's it's just a very clean look. Like, there's very clean lines, I, and as a flashback tail. It's kind of nice, because it doesn't look dated, and it doesn't quite look current, either.
1: Yeah, and then um, a couple things that are really cool, where we're going back, and... I mean, he's, like we just said with Action Comics, he's kind of red the crap out of stuff. But going back and, like, planting the seeds of what's going on and the myth and, you know, when HAL keeps on talking about, like, why doesn't the rain work against yellow? Like, my rain did work against yellow. Why? I mean, that's a big deal. What's going on? And the fact, like, when Sinestro and HAL are in there kind of grilling the Guardians, that was really, really cool. You know, when they're asking about all the stuff that happened with Sector 666 and the Manhunters I mean, I really want to know the story behind that because we've all we've always heard that the Guardians lost control of the Manhunters, but we never really found out, you know, exactly what happened with that.
0: Yeah, I also love the uh, the point blank question question of like, why are all their buildings yellow? You know, are they afraid of their own? And I was like, holy shit, I've never even thought of that before. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my god, it's like, it's, and it's so like, that staring you right in the face. But I'm like, uh-huh. that's a that's excellent. That's a great point. Why why the hell did they do that? <laughs> It's like, oh my god, that
1: that hit me like a slap across the face. Yeah, and then the very end was great, with Atrocitus basically, you know, fueling the fear and kind of planning to see the fear in Sinesho, saying, your home world, it's going to crash, it's going to fall, it's going to burn, and there's nothing that you're going to do about it. And Sinesho's just kind of being there, being smug, he's like, you know, I don't feel fear, I have, you know, order on my planet. And we all know how that's going to turn out. I mean, his obsession with order with his planet is basically what leads to his downfall.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So this is just... This is... I cannot imagine a better Green Lantern story coming after all of this. I cannot. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to take away from what anyone's done in the past or the future, but this is just... The best thing in
0: comics right now. This is well. This is. I'll definitely go out and say this is the best run on Green Lantern I think there's ever been. Ugh, and and I'm so not. Good. Yeah, and that includes the Sinestro Corps War. Basically everything leading up to Sinestro Corps War, on through now. And and that's saying, you know. And I loved the Ron Mars stuff back in the yep, day. And I, I love Kyle. And I love me some Kyle. Yeah. But this is, this and, is so good. But I mean, that's. When you think about that, going back to that time, it's almost like a different book. And right now, I'm right now I'm reading the the uh, Grant Morrison uh, JLA hardcover that just came out. And going back and seeing Kyle uh, as kind of a Green Rookie interacting with everyone without without any other Green Lanterns and having him deal with that. I mean, it's such a stark contrast between that character who he is now and then what the Green Lanterns are now. Um, it, it's it, it's almost a completely different. Paradigm. It's the same powers, but it's a completely different paradigm.
1: Right, and I mean, we're not going to really talk about it, but Green Lantern Corridor came out this week, too, and it was also amazing, and that dealt with more of the Star Sapphires and the, that core, and I think what's going on is that it's these two books working together that is what's really kind of pushing us to the forefront. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I read... Green Lantern and then I read Green Lantern Core and it's really, it's working together and it, that's not an easy thing for it to do. That, I think, was really kind of, you know, letting the story build on its own and it's really picking up steam and it's just it's just really good. So, this one, does, it gets a 9.5 for me.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'll go 9, 9 out of 10. Okay. It, the unfortunate part is I'd almost say that for <laughs> every issue of it that came out, but but no, that's I, true. I, I think this this one deserves a little bit higher ranking because this was the end. It wrapped up in a very satisfactory way. Like I wasn't let down at this at all by this at all, and it didn't feel rushed at the end. It, it felt like it came to a natural uh, conclusion with its natural pace, but also and it set up things for the future storylines. So that that's that's textbook. I mean, that's the, that's how you do it. They should give that in comic yeah. book making class, just like read this.
1: And next week, we have the first uh, Rage of the Red Lanterns story, so that should be interesting, because it's going to start off with the supposedly execution of
0: Sinestro. Supposedly. Supposedly. No, that's not that. Uh Last book I want to talk about is Batman Confidential, number 22. And this is just a... It's a story going back to the first time that Batman drags the Joker into the police station after their first confrontation. and And what happens there. And basically, it's... I don't I don't know if this is a one shot or, or not um, or it's not okay apparently it's gonna go on but basically it's a it's a joker story of like how he kind of mentally takes apart the cops that he's that are dealing with him and the thing is like no one really knows they know he's been out and he's murdered people but they don't know the extent of how crazy he is yet and so it's interesting having him interact with these cops that you know, one's just got back from a honeymoon and, and the Joker gets wind of this. And then like, you, you just see the wheels turning in his head. is like, how is he going to take this, this guy apart? And in a very, I'll, I'll say in a very way reminiscent of the movie seven, um, just, you know, attacking him at his, at his worst point and really not even having to lift a finger. Like it's just, it's creepy how the Joker works in this book. And, um, I thought it was really well done. It, it was also notable for the, um, the artwork of Scott McDaniel, who I'm a big fan of. He started off uh, on Nightwing when that book first launched. He was on Green Arrow for a long time on Judd Winnick's run, and now he's on here for at least a little while, and I love his artwork. But um, it's not quite the Joker that we've seen in, in Dark Knight or anything. This is a lot of the goofy Joker on the surface, but then also very serious and very deadly on the on the underside of that. So it's, it's actually a lot like the animated series Joker, Unleashed. And so I, I, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time reading this book. i um, excited to see where it goes. And also the um, big Joker art, uh, graphic novel is coming out next week, which is supposed to be kind of a big defining moment for him. So good time to be uh, be a Batman fan, a good time to be a Joker enthusiast. So, hmm.
1: so what would you get?
0: Uh, probably 7 out of 10. So who is, do you know who's writing that for graphic I, novel? I want to say Brian Izzarello. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I think so, but it's, I've seen some preview artwork from it so far, and it's creepy as hell. So yeah, it it looks good. They, all the advanced reviews are saying it's right up there with the Killing Joke. so. Oh,
1: cool.
0: That's a pretty big, pretty big
1: deal. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. So. All right. Well, I think that does it for the books this week. Um, it's October. TV is back, and that means that one of our favorite shows, Heroes, is back. And I think we're at, we're about four episodes in, and we're just gonna we're gonna recap our thoughts of the season so far. So, Eric, you go ahead first. What do, What do you think so
0: far about season three? Um, it's it's very very yep. Brain Israel. That's that's it. Uh. All right. It's been very, very different from last season. This It feels like they've definitely learned their, their mistakes with the pacing last year. And they've, ever since the premiere, like, I was sitting on the couch with my girlfriend. And she's never really watched the show before. And she was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, I know it's like this all the time. But, oh, my God. <laughs> like, things are happening. So many things are happening. Yeah. And, uh, I was flipping out. And it seems like every episode so far has... Been at this breakneck pace and they haven't had any real time they haven't taken those kind of long-winded downtimes, and that's that's a good thing i think if, if they keep going at the pace they're going it's it's been great so far um they've definitely the title of this volume villains uh, and i this was kind of stupid of me to think at first but it, what I thought was like, oh, okay, they're going to bring in the, expand the cast of villains. You know, it's going to be more than just Adam and Siler. It's going to be like a bunch of people and the heroes are going to band together and fight. Right. Um, I was wrong. Uh, it's it's a little bit of that, but what villains really means is taking a look at all the characters we know so far and exploring not only their good sides but their downsides or how easy it would be to have this power or all these different powers and you know start to become overwhelmed by them, to use them for personal gain, to use them in ways that you think you're trying to use them to help, but when they become a detriment. And it's just been, I've been really surprised with how willing they are to dirty up their heroes.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, I felt the same way. Um, you know, it's called Villains, and we're introduced to a couple new villains, and and we're having a good time, and I'm like, okay, it's like it's like we're introduced to some villains, and there's gonna be some fights, and then they're gonna someone's, you know, Peter's gonna take down the fire guy, and then somehow Nathan's gonna take down the fear guy, knocks, and I, you know that that's what I'm saying thing that's going on. And then I slowly understood that that's not what it's about. It's it's about you know, not as, to be as corny as it sounds, but the villain inside everyone and how easy it is to you know kind of be tempted by this dark side that's that's out there and it's been very very interesting to watch like it's like you said it's nothing like the previous two seasons i mean it starts off with you know it's been out there for a while but the the whole thing was who killed or shot nathan at the very end of last season and we found out that it was a future version of peter and I don't think anyone ever would have thought about something like that. You know? No, that was... Especially with how Peter is. And you actually made a great point, because a lot of this has to do with Peter coming back and trying to change the future. And you made the, the point that, you know, it's kind of like watching the Emerald Twilight Hal Jordan. And that's exactly what it is. It's like, Peter is trying so hard to do the right thing, but... You can't do that. You know, if you mess with time, if you mess with things that you're not supposed to mess with, crap happens. And he's now realizing that things are getting worse and worse because of what he's done. And I love that aspect of it because you, you don't really see that with time travel and, and shows like that. It's just, you, if you try to do something, bad crap is going to come from it.
0: Yeah, it's it's very much the butterfly effect. And what I love is they've, they had that future Peter character and you can kind of dirty up future Peter because he's not ours. Um, but they, they haven't made that mistake and, and he kind of realizes it now, but he also realizes that he's kind of powerless to do anything about it. Like what's, if he tugs on one string, you know, something else is going to unravel. Like he can't, he, he wants to save everything. And that's, that's the Hal Jordan part of him is he wants to fix every wrong and, and be everything he can to everybody. And what that does, and that's, gone back into current Peter with uh, current Peter having to take Siler's powers is, you know, he's, he's crossed the line now, and basically like he's done things that he can't come back from uh, which, again, was why I was so surprised that they dirtied him up um, but, but there's very much that, that need in him that he feels like he has to fix everything, and he just can't and he doesn't really he can't he can't understand that yet
1: yeah, and it's very cool that I mean we're getting a lot more We're getting a, you know, like a show like Lost, which I've loved, and a big issue with Lost is that they throw out so many questions, but they don't give a lot of answers. And that's just that happens in television. I mean, especially with the show like a mystery show like Lost. You have to have that overall sense of mystery. There have been so many reveals and answers in the first four episodes so far. Especially with Styler. I mean, we've got the, more of an idea of what his power is. Um, we got the big reveal of the fact that Siler is actually a brother to Peter and Nathan. And I'm just like, I'm amazed every time, just like you said, when I watch this, it, it's just, like things are going so fast and we're getting so much information. And it just, it's it's just so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like you said, it's like they really have learned from their mistakes and the fact that, you know, there was a short season last season. And it's just it's been so good um, last last episode we kind of had a, a future version of siler go nuclear and destroy a city and I I mean I honestly don't think I've seen special effects that good on TV ever
0: yeah I mean, that was one thing and we've always said this this show is pretty violent but I I have people over on Monday nights and we watch heroes and I was sitting there and I was shocked because the whole thing is future Siler has a, a four-year-old kid. Yep. And what happens is this kid gets murdered like right on screen. And, and you know, Siler holds this this poor little kid's broken and bloody body and goes nuclear and blows up a whole town. And the special effects were incredible. But I at the end of that, at the commercial break, I was like, they just showed a four-year-old kid getting murdered on primetime television. That's true. Like, I, I could not believe NBC did that. And, well,
1: yeah, and, and they're, sh- they're showing a whole town, you know, getting destroyed by a nuke, which in this day and age...
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was... Away with a lot of stuff. I just could not believe they got away with that. But but at the same time, like, it, it does provide a basis for, for Siler's reaction. And I, l- I love the reformed Siler. I love, like, his reason and and how he gave Peter his watch and said, it's a reminder, you know, my name is Gabriel. And I, I love... That Zachary Quinto is his name. Yep. Like, he does such a great job from going... Uh, one of the guys I was watching it with, he made a great point. He said, a guy does so great for playing, you know, balls to the wall creepy and then turning it on a dime and, and being, like, yeah. adorable and, and warm. It's
1: a great range.
0: Yeah. And it, it's fantastic. And then just the revelations of last episode where we found out... Or, not last episode, but this season where we found out Angelo Petrelli's power uh oh, the
1: last yes, episode
0: was... ended with uh adam and roe getting dug up mm-hmm. which i mean that
1: was the the dreams thing was cool because that's something that we've seen the whole time with peter having these dreams and that was never really connected to anything and then we found out that that was from her and that was that was like a really big continuity kind of thing mm-hmm. that's like that's another very satisfying thing and i think everyone was thrilled when adam came back you know
0: now, now, you watched the preview for this upcoming...
1: Oh, I'm so excited for next week. Do you, do you think
0: it's their father coming back?
1: It is their father. Oh, yeah, the new promo show. That is, it's it's Mr. Petrelli.
0: Does it? Okay, yeah. I was like, oh, because oh. that was where the first season started, was he had died and, yep. and, oh, yeah. So I'm very excited. And just the way that they've talked about the origin of everybody, it seems the company has had a hand in the creation of, of mm-hmm. the new... The, the powers so it's it's been a fantastic ride so far this i'm so glad this show's redeemed and I, I didn't even think last season was that bad right but there were definitely but a lot of people made didn't. right and, that, and and i'm glad they've learned from that and it's really a show for the fans too with all that they've done with on the online like hero creation that are going to be integrated into the show the feedback like they actually listened to their crowd and went and, and fixed it and that's wonderful I love that they've included the audience as part of that creative process.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been great so far. So season three, uh, we'll start doing episode by episode reviews. Um, but we just wanted to give our thoughts for the season so far.
0: So yeah. And so the final thing we want to talk about, uh, we both played through the force unleashed video game now and Mm -hmm. we've played different versions of it. So, uh, we'll have a little bit different perspectives, but overall perspective, Uh, I I loved this game. This was an experience right up there with... It it was a movie experience without having the actual movie. But it was immersive. Uh, There were moments, you know, when I'm going through the game and that Star Wars music cues in. And, you know, that that feeling of euphoria that I have whenever I hear that music. Like, it's... You know, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm jumping up and... You know. Uh And my girlfriend looks at me and shudders a little bit. And somewhere my father dies inside. (laughs) <laughs> it's it, no! it gets that cool twitch oh so, like, it's time like
1: yeah, to leave the room
0: uh, so, so, and what do you think
1: Um, I, I, I feel the same way I felt like um, I mean we're going to talk about the story and the, and the gameplay but I felt like this is what the Clone Wars movie should have been like this was an actual Star Wars event way more so than I thought it was going to be
0: yeah yeah, it's really it's left a mark, and it it, it really immersed itself because the original pitch was like this is going to be a story that bridges the the trilogies, and I'm like, yeah, all right, it's going to probably have a very loose connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised at the at the twist that it took and how much it connected.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was I mean, this was a big deal to to the story.
0: And spoiler, um, uh, what we're talking about is it's this game shows the creation of the rebel alliance basically
1: yeah and the fact that i mean vader and the emperor pretty much created the rebel alliance themselves although they really didn't plan it that way
0: it's kind of inadvertently they did yeah uh,
1: one thing i want to touch on real quick is that sam Whitwer, he's the, the the actor who played the apprentice um He's a really good actor. He's actually playing Doomsday on Smallville, and he was on uh, Crashdown on Battlestar Galactica, which is another show I like. He was really, really good. I mean, this might have been some of the best, like, motion capture, voice acting work that I've seen on a game. Yeah. Like, the the, vo- the voice acting, the motion capture, the story was very, very well done, like very professional, and I was really impressed by that.
0: Yeah, and, you know, usually with a lot of Star Wars dialogue, with the the cartoons and even the prequels – uh, a lot of it can be very stiff mm-hmm. and that's, you know, it's, it's something And granted, you know, I love the Star Wars movies, but it's true. Like sometimes the dialogue can get a bit stiff. Uh, like David said, he delivered his lines perfectly. He delivered them like a real person would. And it wasn't, it was very, just very well performed. Um, now David, you played this on the Xbox 360, right? Uh, PS3. PS3. Okay. So you had the high def version. I played it on the Wii. What were your thoughts of the high def version?
1: Um, this is one of the best games I've played graphically. Um, not, uh, even more so, like, graphically, but more so, the physics were amazing. Um, the idea that you could pick up almost anything, you could hold it, put it wherever you want with a force, and throw it at anything, it was, it was much better than I thought it was going to be. Um. So graphically, and the physics engine, um, it was it was amazing. Okay. Um, I it was a little buggy, but all LucasArts games are pretty buggy, so I've kind of gotten used to that. But in terms of the graphic and everything,
0: I was more than happy.
1: Yeah. And so you had it on the Wii, and so what did you
0: think? Um, well, graphically, like, and I knew what I was getting into. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be a powerhouse graphically, but it was very apparent that it was like PS2 level graphics. Um getting past that fact, like it was still it was still very well done for PS two level graphics. It was it was it was still a beautiful game. Um it was just very apparent on some of the like opening cutscenes with the the flights and stuff like that where it's like, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure I'm missing out on a much grander scene, you know. And and when I do get a PS three I'm gonna go back and buy it again, replay it on that. But um what I did love about this was the Wii controls, and what it is, is the the Wii remote acts as your lightsaber, the the nunchuck acts as uh, a force, you know, using the force with the other hand, and I played this, I went on vacation for a week, and I played this with uh, with my girlfriend in the room, and she was laughing at me, she's like, you love using the force, don't you? I'm like, I will never get tired of this, because by the end of the game, and there, there's just something enthralling about having a lightsaber battle, and... The way they did it is, you you know, you swing. It was much like the Legend of Zelda, you know, swinging the sword around. But then you get in these saber locks, and you actually like I was gripping the Wii remote with two hands, like a like a handle, and you it shows you how you have to twist the lightsaber to certain ways, and then push with it to push your opponent away from you, and you have to keep doing that, and and it felt like you were in an actual duel. And I was standing up playing this game, and then there was other moments too where I'm I'm also like I'm running down a hallway. And I have, like, a whole garrison of stormtroopers in front of me. And with, like, one push of my left hand towards the TV, every character on the screen flies backwards. And not only that, but, like, all the lights and paneling on the hallways just go with them. And I was like, you know, and I'm just like, damn, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> and I kept doing that over and over again. And, you know, using... So, okay,
1: now here's, here's a good question. Now, and the thing about this game is that you can play it differently. So like for me, what I use for everything that never got old is I would take an object, hold it up, use force lightning on it, and then throw it at people. So like, what would you use? Because I thought that was a really cool thing about the game. Because you can.
0: Um, I was push. a big fan of the uh, there. There were two moves that I liked: uh, picking up picking up people with the force, and from that point, either throwing my lightsaber at them, or what I became a big fan of later, especially with the flying the jetpack Stormtroopers. Uh, I'd grab them with the Force, and then all I had to do was turn the Nunchuck upside down, and it chokes him. And so here I am holding up my hand to the TV, and I'm choking the Stormtrooper on the screen. <laughs> I love this game.
1: Yeah, and I thought that's a great way of playing with it, because I, honestly, I never use Force Push. I hardly ever use my lightsaber. Really? But and see, this brings like a lot of replayability to it, because it's like, you know, you can play the game the way you want to. You want to play it, and I thought that was really, really cool. Exactly,
0: and I use force push a lot. That was one of my powers that I maxed out completely, and it just because just and, and it's the way you play. It. If I was using a standard controller, I probably wouldn't have, but just because I had that option to just like push with my hand, it became a much more immersive experience that way in how I played it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, um, we kind of talked about this because we have a thread up on the forum. Is that this game got pretty bad reviews? I mean across the board this game got, you know, sevens, some sixes and there there was a lot of hype to this game. Uh, this game was actually the like the most expensive game ever produced. And I do, I don't think that those reviews were very or valid. I don't think so at all. I mean after especially after playing through the game, I was I was so happy with the story and the gameplay. I mean there it, it's very buggy at points. Um if anything the game is probably too short, I think that's its greatest weakness. And maybe some of the leveling up could have been more thorough. But this was a great game. Like this is a game that any Star Wars fans like dream about. Not only for the like how epic the story was, but the whole idea is that you have full mastery of the force and you can do, you know, things that you've always wanted to do. And it totally delivered on that.
0: Yeah, it did. It fully totally did. And and reading the reviews, I think a lot of the reviews came from the the gameplay, not so much the story. But there were there were issues with the camera angle. Um, yeah. There was, and I will say this is one of the most epic Darth Vader fights ever, was that final battle with Darth Vader. But at the same time, at least on the Wii version, it was buggy and like you were you'd almost be as soon as you smash through railings on catwalks, you don't really step off the catwalks. They just kind of it was. It was just more floor right. on the other side, and I don't know if that was on the other games as well, but uh, it was just a s- small issues like that. Um,
1: yeah, and I guess like what I would say, like I said on the forum, is that if you are a casual fan, this game is gonna be like a rent. But if you're like a Star Wars fan at all, like, you'll love this game. And I, I feel like there's faults to this game. I just feel like the expectations for this game, maybe it wasn't judged fairly. Because I'm I'm not sure if it's false or are really justified, and I say that completely objective because like I am a pretty hardcore gamer and like I if I'm paying sixty dollars for a game I expect a lot you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like I, I got my money's worth with this.
0: Yeah, it was. I I really enjoyed it. I think there's there's definitely things that could have been done better, but I I, I loved it. I'd say this is one of the reasons why I bought a Wii was so I can, you know, when that eventual star Wars game came out, I could do what I did on this game. Um, That being said, I am, when I get a next chance system, I am going to go out and buy this again to play it on the high def version and and get that experience as well. But, um, you know, I was just, I was surprised by the twist in the storyline. I thought the acting was really good. I, I loved the environments and the locales and, uh, there's a few scenes in this that were kind of heartbreaking for me because i some characters like Shakti i'm I'm a huge fan of and and you kind of get uh, endings for a lot of these characters so but then there's also a lot of fanboy moments too where um, you know you get you get to rescue a young princess Leia <laughs> and, and you know that's that's so much fun you know I'm, I'm I'm sitting here at the TV like I'm here to rescue you <laughs> You know, I I geeked out at this game a lot, and it, it was very apparent to everyone around me when they when I was playing this.
1: Yeah, overall, I think I, I would give it like an eight point five out of ten. Um, there were some issues with the, with it being buggy, a little bit too short. Um, the camera, uh, the camera didn't really bother me too much, but it could be a, a nuisance. Um, I think the biggest challenge in this game was the fact that it was a little bit too short, and it needs to be a little bit more thorough. I think the the best possible Star Wars game I can think of would have been this game and Jedi Knight 2, and you put them together. Yeah. That's what it... The, this, the thing about Jedi Knight 2 was that the way that you progressed through your Force powers ha- gave you a lot more satisfaction. And I know like with the, for the Force Unleashed, they wanted to give you the Force up front, which was cool, but there wasn't a huge difference between... Force Lightning 1, and Force Lightning 3. It was obvious, but it wasn't, like, a huge difference, where in Jedi Knight, like, when you earn those new powers, like, that was a big deal. You know, getting to that point and then using those powers, like, you really felt like you went through a lot to earn those. And I think that that's what this game kind of needs. And it kind of needs, like, more of a... I mean, the story was huge and epic, but maybe more of a fleshed-out story, something longer. But... um, I know, obviously, this game sold enough that we're going to get, not a sequel, but we'll get something else along this line, and hopefully they can just put a little bit more into it. But it was a great game. Like I had I had more fun playing this than probably any other game this year, maybe.
0: Yeah, I've, I, I enjoy this a lot, and um, I'll give it an 8 out of 10. I think if they were given a little bit more time to fine-tune it, it would have been a higher score. Because I think I think what they had to go with, it was all on the right track. I think it, it felt like it, they kind of rushed it out. Mm-hmm. So I think if they had a little bit more time to fine tune it, it would have been it would have been great. But I had I had so much fun playing this. This was a Star Wars experience that I wanted with Clone Wars and didn't quite get. Um,
1: you know, and and I'm just
0: I'm just happy that Star Wars is still around and we're still getting to do things like this and experience things like this. Because for you and me, and for a lot of other people out there. Star Wars is a big deal. We grew up on this. This is—it's right. always we're always gonna be a part of this. This is always gonna be a part of who we are. And you know, like you said on the forums, uh, you know, it's it's great to have little kids out there who are want to go out and beg their parents for Star Wars action figures. Yep. And you know, what, you know, there was a commercial on TV for the Clone Trooper helmets, and all these little kids running around in Clone troopers. Awesome. Like, you know how much I would have loved to have that when I was a kid. Oh,
1: dude! I see that commercial. I'm like, ah, oh, that's 15 years too late. I would have loved one of those things
0: yeah. as a kid. But um. I love but one now. So. Yeah. At the same time, I'm so happy that generations are still getting it because really, Star Wars is for the kid and all of us. Yeah. And so it's wonderful to see. And so I'm just very happy with. Now I'm just gushing about Star Wars, but this game was an extension of it. It was, it was a good representation of the franchise, um, eight out of 10. So that is our new format. Um, we're going to be sticking to the, uh, like, like David said, we dropped the book of the weeks. Uh, we're going to be sticking to picking books out for each other. And for the discussion, we're going to be continuing heroes discussions, uh, video game discussions, uh, DVDs, all, all kinds of stuff, but primarily comics. We'll, we'll still stay with that. Um, we're we're phasing out the website a little bit. We'll still have it around, but uh, we're primarily going to be more active on the forums now. Um, so we would love to see you on there. And those are at the comic forums, uh, Fanboy Strike Back. And we are also. And if you also have any questions for us, you can also email us at contact@fanboystrikeback.com. Uh, we love to hear from you. We love to. Uh, if you have any questions, we love to address those on the show. Or if you have any comments or suggestions for us. But what we could be doing better, we'd, we'd love to get your input on that. Um, you can find us on most podcatchers out there.
1: Yep, iTunes, Podcast Alley, any podcatcher out there, pretty much. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a review. Let us know what you'd like to see. Uh, with this new format, like Eric said, email us. Uh, let us know if you like the format, Things else, you know, other things you'd like to see on the show. We're going to do a lot more reviews of different kind of stuff. Comics are always going to be there. But we're going to branch it out. Uh, we also have a voicemail line, uh, 206-350-2354. You can give us a call um, and let us know about the things that you like, things you don't like, uh, reviews that you have for stuff that you've, you've you know messed with, games, what you thought about the Force Unleashed, heroes, anything. Leave us a voicemail about anything and then we'll play on the show and answer it. And we are on our 50th episode now. We also are now sponsored by InStockTrades.com. They're pretty much the best comic website out there. Uh, They have huge discounts on stuff. I actually just... um, I've been getting into The Walking Dead a lot, which is like
0: heroin, apparently. (laughs) I've got the first trade sitting on my desk. I haven't gotten to it yet, but... I just wonder if the third... I'm going to eat these things up as soon as I start.
1: I just ordered the 3rd through the 8th trade on InsightTrades.com. They're like $9 a piece, so so it's great, although it's not
0: great for the wallet. Um, <laughs> hey, you're yeah, that's, just helping the economy, man. You're patriotic.
1: Yeah, it, it needs it right now, but um, yeah, I think uh, you're going to read it. I think you're, you're going to love it, so there will be some Walking Dead discussion uh, later on, but...
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good buck. But with with Insta Trades becoming our sponsor, we're also going to be doing a lot, probably a lot more uh, trade talk as well. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm reading the Grant Morrison JLA run now, and I'm definitely going to be talking about that when I'm done with it. Um, and I've got also the NYX uh, first volume to go through too. So.
1: Yeah. So yeah, there will be a lot more of the of trades and. We're just kind of switching it up. Um, Hopefully you guys like it. And that's the show for this week, and we will see you next week.
0: Later.